we have started a new series tonight, and um, just so you are aware, um, in the teenagers class, we, we will go through the scripture, we will pick different topics, sometimes if you ask about a topic, we will teach on that topic, um, and when the next break is... Um, between the topics that we're already working on. So we chose a book. There's a book uh, called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Okay, So Psalm 23 is a famous psalm. We're going to turn there first. And it is the Lord is my shepherd psalm. But we are going to take it and dig it and pick it apart a little bit and look at it and see... There are different things in there that we might read and not fully understand. So we're going to dig through this. And this book that we chose that talks about this, being a shepherd looking at Psalm 23, talks about a lot of different things. Okay, So we're using that kind of as a springboard to talk about Psalm 23. So we're going to start turn to Psalm 23 to start with. Psalm 23. And we're going to read through that. And I'll have you guys just alternate back and forth. Um, There's only six verses. It's not very much. So when you guys read through, alternate back and forth. And you probably have heard this before. I hope you've heard this before. And if not, you'll learn something from it. It is the most famous psalm of all time. Okay? And it's... People use it in a lot of different ways. So, all right, let's start with Psalm 23. You read verse 1, 2, I'll do 3, and 4, 5, 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup winneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, so this is written by David. And David was a shepherd. Right? And being a shepherd is an interesting viewpoint of the world. We're going to talk about sheep some tonight and for the next several few nights. And I know that uh, some of the kids in the class uh, in Tuesday nights and so on have done sheep handling in the last year or more in their life. And so we'll talk a little bit about their experience, but we're going to talk about sheep in general. Um, We're going to take the the verses and we're going to split them in half to start with. And so first thing I want to do is talk about loyalty. 
There is loyalty and has been loyalty. What does loyalty mean? What do you know about loyalty? If you're a loyal person, what do you do? Okay. Um, obeying. Mm-hmm. Honest. You're honest. Yep. So if you're loyal to your school, what does that mean? That means if you go to a football game with two different schools in it, your school against another school, who are you going to cheer for? Gonna cheer for your school, okay? So that's loyalty for your school. Now loyalty can, that's not a huge, intense thing, right? But loyalty can get very, very intense. There were groups of warriors that fought many, many years ago. Vikings were loyal to each other, okay? And they were loyal to their leaders. They would stand up and fight for their leaders and they would give their life. And that's loyalty to say, if you go and you tell me where I'm going to go fight, I'll go fight for you. But there were even more loyal people than that. There was one time a great leader. He marched his army up. This is the great leader. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and this is his army. There they are. Lots of legs, arms, shields, okay? There they are, this whole army. And off in the distance off of this was a walled city up on a hill, okay? Here's the walled city up on the hill. And this great leader, we'll call him Alex for now, all right, this great leader said, up, marched up near this city and said, I want you to surrender your city to me. And if you don't surrender your city to me, we will take it over. I will take my army and I will destroy your city. And the man, the king, up in the tower, said, I'm way up here in this walled city. You can't get me. I have a dangerous climb all the way up. The city is built on the, a cliff. You can't get there. Your army would die just trying. You'll never get your soldiers to fight like that. And so Alex said to his soldiers, get ready to march. And they played the drum and did whatever else to march. And he told his soldiers, all right, I want you to head and march right off the cliff. Would you do this? That's exactly true, right? Would you march off the cliff if you were loyal to your leader? The answer is, you would. 
And I will tell you that there have been armies who were so loyal to their leaders that they tattooed the name of their leader on their forehead because they said, we will die with this man. Now, Alex said, get ready to march. And they got ready to march. And he said, ready, go. And they marched forward until they came to the edge of the cliff. And when they got to the edge of the cliff, one at a time, they marched right off the cliff to their death. One, two, three, four. And the king is watching him just say, march. About 10 to 12 guys went off the cliff and died. And Alexander called out to the guy and said, will you surrender your city? And the guy said, if his guys will march off the cliff to their death for him, they will stop at nothing but destroying our city. And they surrendered their city. We give up before they ever fought a battle. That was loyalty, right? That's real loyalty to a leader. Alexander, or Alex as we call him, is Alexander the Great. He ruled over ancient Greece, or ancient Macedonia, same place. And he ruled over that army, and he took over almost the entire known world at the time. The reason the Romans could take over the world that they took over is because the Greeks already took it over. All right? So this is loyalty. I will march to my death for you, whatever it tells, if you do it. Now, why would they do that, though? Do they want to die? Probably not. Probably not, right? That's pretty obvious, right? We don't want to die. But why are they doing it? Because they're loyal. They're loyal. What do they believe about their leader? Maybe he's the greatest. They believe that he's the greatest. All right, he's the greatest. And if they believe he is the greatest, do they believe that marching, are they, do they believe they're going to die? Probably, right? So something must be bigger than dying. To them, something is bigger to, than dying. They want to make sure that they show their loyalty because they believe so deeply in their leader that their leader would not tell them to march to their death unless if it needed to be. Their leader would not tell them to march to their death even for a reason that was just selfish. He told them to march to their death so that there was a bigger thing that would happen 
10 would die or 12 would die, but hundreds would not. And so they believed that his decisions had the best in mind, not only for them, but for the whole people, their whole army. Okay? And so they were willing to do what it took to be loyal. Now that's real loyalty. Right? And the very first part of the first verse of Psalm 23 says what? The Lord is my shepherd. Here's the thing about this. I want to start to think, first of all, about loyalty. When you say the Lord is my shepherd, what does that make you? A sheep. A sheep, okay. That seems obvious, right? That makes you a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. And that means if you are not only a sheep, but you are his sheep, you belong to him. That's why you say the Lord is my shepherd. Because this shepherd, the Lord, is out to protect me, to take care of me, to watch over me, to feed me, and do the things that a shepherd should do. Okay? He wants good things for me. And he wants to know that he wants us to know that he's caring for us. One thing that God does. God does this and we will find that God restores his sheep. If you found your sheep in trouble I know one time that there was a person, very locally, that took his sheep. He had one sheep. It was a ram, so it was a boy sheep, right? And he had a bunch of little baby lambs and a, a ewe sheep. And he took the ram sheep and he tied it up to a fence. And he was taking care of these small little baby sheep because he wanted to protect the little baby sheep. The ram did not want to be tied to the fence. And so he jumped and he bucked and he twisted and he pulled and he went back and forth and back and forth with all his might and to pull on that rope. Now the rope is attached to, what is it attached to? Fence. Yep, and what's the other end attached to? Him. Him, which is, which, what's it called that's wrapped around their head? Starts with an H. Halter, okay? There's a halter that goes up around his head and his ears, down around his chin, and up around his mouth, okay? And that holds him in place. But if he pulls and he twists and he twitches and he bucks around, he'll be okay. But this sheep got so stubborn, he was intending to get off this uh, rope however he could 
and he walked away for a few minutes to take care of a lamb and that sheep twisted and pushed and flopped himself over and when he flopped himself over the rope went around and choked the sheep now if this farmer would have seen the sheep quick enough he would have taken that sheep and quickly pulled or cut that rope and got him to survive. But he didn't see him quick enough. And so that sheep choked himself to death. Just because he didn't want to be tied up. Okay? And those sheep, so when, when Jesus sees us as his sheep and he sees we're doing something we're struggling with, pushing against stuff and struggling in our life, like that sheep, I don't want to be tied up, right? If we flip ourselves over and get in trouble, God is there in time to pull us out. Yeah. Right? He's always there. And he restores us. He restores his sheep. Puts them back to health. Okay? When we're sick, he watches over us and protects us and get us gets us back. Okay? It is what any shepherd does any good shepherd let's go to galatians chapter number six we're going to be using uh, quite a bit of the bible this evening we're going to go around and look at a few verses uh, so that we understand a little bit better galatians okay in the new testament after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1 and 2. This is what God says we should do if, he, if we see somebody that's struggling with something. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1 and 2. Go ahead and read that, please. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in the, the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. All right, so this verse says this, brethren. So that means brothers, right? That means people that are Christians together. Look around you, and if you see somebody who is overtaken in a fault, what does that mean? What does a fault mean if you have a fault? Something bad that you do. And if you're overtaken in it, Absolutely, you do it all the time, can't really stop. If you see somebody that's struggling like this, overtaken in a fault, what are you supposed to do? Help him. Okay, restore him. That's what it says, restore him. Take him out of there and do it. You which are spiritual, restore 
such a one in the spirit of meekness. What does meekness mean? That's a tough word. That's, we don't very use meekness very often, right? Meekness means, it doesn't mean weakness. It means that you have power over someone, but choose not to use it. That's what meekness means. I can come in and tell you, you're wrong with this, and you're terrible for this, and you're not gonna, you're gonna go to hell if I see you do this anymore, right? How does that make you feel? Yeah. Not too good. So if you go in meekness, and though you might be right that that person is struggling and not doing a good thing, you can go and say, you know, I've struggled with this stuff before. This was something that helped me. Or is there anything I can do to help you? I care about you. I see that you're down. What can I do for you? Doesn't that feel different? Right? Doesn't that feel different than, you're wrong! Right? Yeah. So, if you restore somebody in meekness, that means, come back with us. Come back and do the right thing. And it says, do that considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. In other words, you have a fault. I have a fault. You've got a fault. Everybody's got a fault. Beware trying to help other people to say, that person's so wrong, I can't believe what they do. Beware approaching them that way. Approach them in a way of saying, I struggle with things too. I care about this person. I want to help them. And it says, bear one another's burdens. And that doing that helps the other people, helps them along in their way. It's like going and picking up their burden and carrying and helping them along to say, let's get you out of this place. All right? And that's what the law of Christ is. And as the good shepherd, he restores us. The law of Christ says, restore people, right? Going to restore people in a loving way. Restore them in love. Don't go after them and tell them how good you're doing and how bad they are, right? Go and say, how can I help you? How can I help get you to a place uh, where we get out of here. We're here together in this. Let's do this together. So restore one. And that is exactly like cutting that line before that sheep chokes himself. Right? That's merciful to cut that line before that sheep dies. Because walking down this trail is not going to get you in a good place. Right? Walking down another trail is going to get you in a better place. So come on with me. That's what God does. Now, what is, you guys have owned animals before, right? Different types of animals. How do you know, what do you do to be a good animal owner? What do you do? Feed them. Take 
Okay, what do you, what do you take care of? Food and water. Maybe, uh, maybe like a place to sleep. Okay, place to sleep. Absolutely. They need love. They need love. Look at you. Okay, and so, anything else? What's a good and if you're going to be a great animal person, they need food, water, a place to sleep, and love. Okay? Is there anything else they need? Maybe like protection. Protection. Great. Like guinea pig and hamsters, like in cages. Yep. They need protection. If you have a chicken okay what do you have to protect them from uh, foxes foxes anything that wants to eat them really. weasels and anything raccoons anything that wants to eat them so you need to build a cage for their protection right because there are bad things out there that want to eat your chickens right now how about a cat dogs dogs could eat a cat, definitely. Coyotes can eat a cat. And a cat needs like a like to stay in a house, not like just roam outside. Okay, so they need a place to sleep and a place of protection. Very good. So if you're a good animal owner, you give them these things. Food, feed, water, place to sleep and protection. And if you're a better animal owner, you give them love. What do you do to love your animals? Play with them. Play with them. Give them all the stuff on them. Spend time with them. How often do you take care of them? Every day. Every day. Sometimes multiple times a day, right? If you really care about your animal, Love drives all these things, like you said. You do all these things because you love that animal. And if you love that animal, you are going to give it not only what it needs, but are you going to give it special stuff? Yeah. You're going to give it special stuff, right? Have you ever given your cat or a special animal something at Christmas time? Like a gift at Christmas time. We've given gifts of animal, like special food or a toy that they might play with. We haven't with. had our guinea pig since Christmas, but we might buy it like a toy or something for Christmas. Right, buy it something special. We've had hamsters in the past. We've got little wheels for them and oh, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Right, so they'll run in their wheel, and all night long they go. Hur, 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 hur. The wheel runs around and around and around. God, kind of annoying after a while. Yeah. All right. But you give them, not only that, but you give them uh, playthings, right? Yeah. You want them to have fun. You want them to... Treat. You want to have treats. You want them really to love you 
back. You want them to be loyal to you. And how do you get a pet to be loyal to you? Can you beat him until he's loyal? It won't work at all, will it? <laughs> won't work at all. So how do you get them to be loyal? Do all that stuff. Like, give them love, protection, and stuff. Yep. If you just give him food, water, a place to sleep, and a cage to be in, is that enough? No. Not for loyalty. No, not really. No? What do you have to do if you have a cat you want to be loyal? Give it a hug, play with it. Play with it. Spend time with it. Right? Every day. Spend time with it and show it what does it got to do to you? What does it have to do? How does it have to feel about you? I'm going to throw a word up there. Trust. It has to trust you. Some animals are very skittish and I've seen animals that do not trust their owners because maybe their owner didn't always treat them nicely maybe their owner got frustrated one time or lots of times and did something mean and they learn not to trust them so does that work if you're gonna be a good animal owner you have no trust absolutely not you have to have trust Yep. There'll be no loyalty, right? Now, if you want a loyal dog, you have to always make sure you put its needs and wants and desires first. Right? You put it first. So, although you're tired and you want to go sit down, you have to go take care of that animal. Although you don't really want to do it, you have to make sure there's food and water and that it's taken care of and that you know where it is, its location, and you, that you're taking care of it. So a good owner that's going to have loyalty has got to do all these things for his animal. And then when you get that loyalty, how do you know that animal is yours? When it's always by you and it doesn't not trust you when it trusts you. Alright. Which is true. Except what happens if that dog, we'll say you have a dog. What happens if he runs away? Then you're not taking good care of him because it's not loyalty and doesn't trust you. Well, what if it just, he just wandered out by the road and somebody found him? Took him. Um, what did you have to do? You have to always know where it is and you didn't know where it was. Well, what if you didn't know where it was? What if something happened and you were away at school during the day and the dog got out and ran away? Just didn't know. Was out looking for you, but got lost. What's important to do? You look for him, but how are you ever going to be restored to that animal? How? Give him a 
You give them all that stuff, but what if you can't find them? How does somebody know that it's yours? If it's like always trying to get to your house or something. Maybe he's just laying down in somebody else's house. He doesn't know. Maybe they brought it in their house and they said, we don't know where to put him. We don't know who he belongs to. So we're going to keep him. How do you prevent that? A collar? A collar is one license. great way. A license. They have something now. Maybe something around their neck. Around their neck? Like a shot collar thing? They have, they have chips even that they put in inside of dogs so that they can track them. Now, back when the Bible was written, they didn't have microchips, but they had the need to make sure and mark and make sure that you knew who belonged to what. So, with sheep, in our book, The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, with the sheep, they used to make marks in their ears. They would take their ear... Well, cows have tags, because the same thing with any animal, okay? But they used to take, and this is before tagging machines and plastic and all of this. When Psalm 23 was written, how did you make, how do cattle people? Like, is it like they have like a bell? Everybody has like something different? Everybody has something different, that's true. Um, some places may have a bell. But what if the bell drops off? You need something more permanent. Does it? Oh, wait. Like, they like iron their skin or something? They, for cows, they used to brand them. So I would have, as a ranch person, as that cow owner, I would have a special brand. And I would take that brand and I would heat it up in a fire. And I would take it, take the cow down and put it on their skin and burn in that insignia so they knew. Anybody walking around knew that that belonged to me. Doesn't that hurt? It hurt for a minute. It's a burn. But here's the thing. Cattle out west, used, they just let it roam. They used to let it go for months at a time. And then you have to go get it. And how do you know that it belongs to you? You got to mark it. And how do you know that somebody else didn't change the marking? Because it's permanent. It's permanent. You can't undo it. Right? You can't go over top of it. Because it's... their skin burned back? Their skin burned and their hair wouldn't grow in that spot. Just that little, where whatever this insignia was. So their hair would kind of grow around it, oftentimes, or grow shorter in that area, just wouldn't burn. Because it's like, a, it's like in, if you have cuts on your hands, usually your hair doesn't grow out of that cut. If you have a cut in your forehead or a cut in your, on your scalp, you don't, usually your hair doesn't grow back in that spot. Okay? So it's kind of like that. Now, branding was one way to do it. Sheep farmers did not usually brand. Many times they took their ear of their sheep, 
and they made a cut in it. They took a sharp knife and they cut the ear in a certain way. And if it was your sheep, you might cut a special notch that looked like, I don't know, a W in all of your sheep's left ear. So everybody knew when they looked, even from far, that's his sheep. Or if they got mixed up in a group, that belongs to him and those belong to her. The mark was permanent and never grew back. So you could always tell. Now that's a strange thing, isn't it? Yeah. So the skin on the ear didn't grow back together? Nope. They cut it. They cut it in such a way that they notched it. So it would it might round off a little, but they'd all look the same. If you've cut your mark a certain way, say you've cut a star in the ear, okay? You look right through it. Does it hurt the sheep? Maybe. 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 For a little bit. Probably not too long, though. Not too long. And it really, ultimately, if it didn't belong to anybody, could they die without help? Yes. So if it belongs to you and you mark it, that's a moment of pain that says, I belong to him. He protects me. He takes care of me. He feeds me. He makes sure I have water. He makes sure I have a place to be. And he watches over me because I'm his. And that's the big key to the Lord is my shepherd. Okay? He is my shepherd. And when you get this with God, you choose and say, I want to be your sheep. Now let's look at something. This is a very interesting thing. Um, let's go to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21, way in the beginning of the Bible. Exodus chapter 21. Verse number one, we're going to do verse one through six. We are going to learn about this. What chapter? Chapter 21. What is this? Nail. It's a nail, okay? It is the closest thing that I could come up with here when they talk about an awl, A-U-L. An awl is like a nail with a handle on it, okay? A long, pointy thing like this. So we're going to read what they do with an awl, okay? Verse number one, you read one, you read two, I'll read three, and we'll go around through, through six, please. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If, if thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. If his master have given...
given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters. The wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall pay plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore through his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. This was Hebrew law. Now, the law said this. I'm a slave. I was purchased as a slave. I work for you for six years. And when year number seven comes, I'm free. I can go. You can't hold me anymore. You can't make me work any longer. Seven years, I'm free. If I get to seven years and I say, but I really love my master. I want to stay under his protection in his household with his family and work for him because he treats me well. Then at that point, the master says, all right, you are going to be, we take you before the judges in the town. And the servant says, I want to stay with my master. I had a wife here. I had a family here. I love where I am and I want to stay. They take you up to the door of the household and they stick your ear against the door of the household and he takes an awl like this nail and jams it through your ear into the door. It's a big hole in your ear. Does it hurt? Yes, it hurts. <laughs> it's a nail. It's an awl. Okay? He jams it through into the door and then pulls it back out. Is there a hole? Yes, there's a hole. And it hurts. And it's probably bleeding. But that is a sign that says, I am pinned here for the rest of my life. And I chose it. I belong here. I'm free to go if I want to. But instead of being, instead of choosing to go and be free, I stay here because I'm loyal. I love the family I'm with. I love the people I'm with. And I'm staying. My master treats me well, takes care of me, and I want to stay. People did this because they loved their master. All right? Now, this is an odd thing, a different thing to think about because we think about slavery and we say it's all was bad. Slavery has happened in almost every single society that's ever been. And there were terrible slave masters many times. But there were also great people that loved the people that worked for them. They owed them a debt, so they worked for them for six years, and they were free on the seventh year, and that was the way the Jewish law was written. But if you said, I, will, I, I don't want to be free, I want to stay, all right? 
and you choose. Just like that you or that sheep has a cut in its ear to say, I belong to my master, my sheep owner, my shepherd. Same thing. That person says, I belong to this family. I belong to my master. This is what the Lord is my shepherd means. It means Jesus wants us, desires us, and says, I will take care of you. I will make sure you have what you need. Your food, your water, your place to sleep, your protection. But I will make sure more than that that I show you love. I will give you special things. I will be close to you. I will show my love for you. And out of it comes loyalty. That's what the Lord is my shepherd means. I understand that when I go to God, it may be a moment of pain. All right? Because I may have to give something up in my life. I may have to do something different in my life. And that marks me as someone different. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. All right? I am the good shepherd. And my sheep know me by my voice. In John 10, we won't turn there, but in John 10, he says, my sheep know my voice. Right? I had a dog many years ago. And my dog, Ulysses was his name, okay? Ulysses was a very loyal dog. And he listened for me. I lived on a road, this is many years ago, with my parents. And I was still going to college. And when I got to the end of the road, which was about a mile and a half away from where my parents lived, the dog that would be sleeping on the floor, my parents told me this, that happened many times, the dog would be sleeping on the floor and all of a sudden his head would go up and he'd go to the door, wag his tail. He heard my car engine a mile and a half away. And it wasn't any loud engine. He just knew that noise, and he had really good hearing, clearly, to hear it a mile and a half away, and he couldn't wait. It was like something woke up inside of him and said, he's coming, and I can't wait to be with him. And that's exactly what God wants from you, is that loyalty. That loyalty to say, I belong to you. The Lord is my shepherd. He will take care of me. He will protect me. He will watch over me. He will make sure I have what I need and he will love me. And the cost of being marked by him, though it might be momentary, and though it might have some pain involved in it, is the long term of having his protection, his care, his love over me. It far outweighs the momentary pain. So, to wrap this up, what is momentary pain that you might have if you decide to follow Jesus? 
I can be able to do certain stuff, probably. Okay. Like, You're, go ahead. You drugs and stuff. You're not going to do them as a Christian. Okay. There's going to be a whole bunch of things that you may have the freedom to do things, but you're going to say, I don't need to do that. I'm going to choose to not do this because I love God. I'm going to choose to be patient with other people when all the kids around me in school are picking on somebody else. I'm going to choose not to say certain words or not to uh, be mean to other people when everybody else around me is picking on somebody. I'm going to stand up and say, I don't, I'm not going to do that. And people are going to say, what's wrong with you? That's a mark. That's a mark on you. And how do you feel the moment they say that? It separates you out. It makes you feel like, yeah, I, because you want to fit in, right? But if you separate out with that mark, just like uh, the sheep's mark on their ear, or like that person who chooses to stay with their master, you say, I'm going to stay with my master on this one. I'm all right. I'm okay standing out a little bit. doesn't bother me. Because this temporary moment of pain, when I'm embarrassed, or I feel like I don't quite fit in, is okay with me. Because I belong to Jesus. It's okay with me. I understand there's something much larger in my life. My God protects me, watches over me. He loves me. I trust him. And though I'm going to go through this tough time, this tough moment for a little bit of pain, and it's going to mark me and people are going to know, he's a different one over there. Boy, she's weird. It's okay okay with it because I'm willing to take the mark that it leaves on my life even if people say something about me I'm okay with that I'm willing to take that mark say I'm good, I'm good with it I'll take the mark and I will take God's protection and God's care and God's love in my life because he is my master I am loyal to him I'm not loyal to the people around me I'm loyal to him that's what's important. And then you say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. He's going to protect me. He's going to watch over me. And in the next few weeks, we're going to find out what that means for him to take care of us. He does it in so many different ways. When we're frightened, when we're alone, when there's people that want to hurt us all around us, when we are hungry, when we're in need, he takes care of us. And we're going to talk about ways he does that specifically because he's my shepherd. All right? So this beginning, little tiny phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, means something. I am tagged by him. I belong to him. I am loyal to Christ. Okay? Thank you very much.